It's kind of fun having the promo for youth ministry happen. Uh, my first job right out of college when I was 22 years old is I got to be a part of a youth ministry. Somebody hired me in a really small town in northeastern Ohio. Now, here's the deal. You know a town's okay when you get there, even though it's like really, I think it was maybe 3,000 people. You know a town's okay as long as it has a McDonald's, right? Like if, town, if a town's got a McDonald's, you're all right. Man, I was thinking about that. Maurice and Richard McDonald, they opened, they were brothers, and they opened McDonald's Barbecue in 1940 in San Bernardino, California. Little did Maurice and Richard have any idea what they were doing. And did they not know, and 13 years later, it took them 13 years, but the first franchise happened in Phoenix, Arizona. But today, there are over 36,000 McDonald's in over 100 countries. Now, that's some expansion, right? I mean, I've been in Honduras. There's McDonald's. I've been in Ethiopia. There's McDonald's. South Africa, McDonald's. Carrollton, Ohio, McDonald's, right? It's everywhere. So that's what we're going to talk about. What does it mean to expand? Well, the definition is to become or make larger or more extensive, to increase in size or volume. Here's some synonyms for expand. Bolster, broaden, develop, enlarge, grow, increase, spread, widen, amplify, heighten. Here, listen to the antonyms of expand. Close, compress, decrease, diminish, end, halt, hide, hinder, lessen, reduce, and restrict. Which one do you prefer? I mean, just in the reading of those words, right? Which one, which one would be more like God? See, when you read that, and what we're going to see in the series is God is one who is alive. And when you're alive, you actually expand. That's what happens. So, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said this. He goes, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, right, because the kingdom of heaven actually grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch on its branches. He's told him another story. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. What's Jesus saying? He goes, when the kingdom of heaven is happening, it expands. Even though it starts off in a tiny mustard seed, it becomes a tree. You put it into some, it's like yeast. You put it into the dough and it works all the way through it. You guys, the kingdom of heaven, what's that? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is whenever God's ways are happening. When God is actually ruling, when he actually is the king and his ways get done, it brings expansion because it's good. God's ways are good, man. They're right. It's love and peace and joy. And when that stuff is happening, you will find that things start to grow. So today, we're going to look at this for four weeks, this idea of how the kingdom of God wants to expand in us. But today, we're going to be looking at a wider reach. And here's what we're going to see. When the gospel is alive, what's the gospel? It's really good news. The gospel is the, the news that Jesus came to people messed up like us whose hearts couldn't follow God, didn't want to follow God, have this thing called sin. So if you're here this morning 
and you don't want to follow God. Welcome to the human race. <laughs> Every human being has this thing inside of us that doesn't want to follow God. The gospel is Jesus came to set us free from this thing inside of us that doesn't want God to forgive us for that sin of not following him and to give us a new heart filled with his spirit that actually now can walk with God and in his ways and be with him forever. What we find is when the gospel is alive in an individual, when the gospel is alive in you, and when the gospel is alive in a church, there's expansion. Each of us individually and K2 corporately. I'm hoping by the time we're done today that you will realize that you too can help there be a wider reach. And again, just how we started off with 9-11. I'm telling you, man, people today need hope. People today need some peace. People today need love. And so, this world needs what God offers, and he wants to do it through you, and he wants to do it through K2. All right? So let me pray. Can I just pray for us before I dive in here, and then we'll get started. God, here's what I know. There's not a person here that's here by accident. You are so intimately involved in our lives. And I'm asking that for whatever reason, each individual person is here today, that you would speak to their heart. Move in us, God. And I'm asking that you'd speak to us corporately. I pray that you'd speak to us as a church and that you would help us, God, to know what it is that you wanna do through us to bring your hope, your love, your faith, all that you are, into a word that needs you so bad. And I pray for it in Jesus' name, amen. So you find out that God actually wants the church to have a wider reach on the church's birthday. Did y'all know if you guys knew that or not? But the church actually had a birthday. There was a time where there wasn't a group of people who were filled with God's spirit, and then all of a sudden there was a day, and Jesus told these guys, hey, listen, don't go anywhere until my spirit comes upon you. And once you actually receive, he goes, my spirit inside your life, he goes, now you're going to be brought together, unified as a group of people, and you're going to be called the church. Now that was happening in Acts chapter 2, okay? Acts is the story of the church expanding. But on his birthday, what's amazing is when the Holy Spirit comes, look at this, Acts chapter 5, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 2, verse 5. It says, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, look at this, from every nation under heaven. See, Pentecost was a Jewish festival. And so everybody, every Jew, everybody who actually feared God came to Jerusalem. So they were there from every nation. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Here's what happened when the Holy Spirit filled the new church. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonder of God in our tongues. And they were going, okay, well, how are they doing this? So amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And for the first time, 
Peter stood up and he shared the gospel. He shared the good news that your heart, which is bent away from God, can now be forgiven and you too can receive God's spirit and inside your being, you never have to be separated from him again. Inside you, God's spirit can mesh with yours. And so they said, it says that they were cut to the heart and they asked, well, what should we do? And in Acts chapter two, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, now listen to this. The promise is for you and it's for your children. And here's our message. And it's for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. You know what happened on that day? 3,000 people <laughs> put their faith in Christ. Do you think God's into expansion? Do you think he's into growing? 3,000 people, but here's the coolest thing, 3,000 people from every nation under heaven. So when it was all over, what happened? They took off and they went where? Everywhere. See, this is what God does. Now, what's so cool, you guys, they went back to their nations, 1,025 miles away from Jerusalem in present-day Turkey is a city called Colossae. And the message made it all the way that, 1,025 miles from Jerusalem, the message, somebody went that far, and a church got planted. Now, here's a verse I'm going to un unpack a little bit. Colossians chapter 1. So Paul wants to write this new church that's so far away from Jerusalem. Here's what he says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard, now listen to these things. Man, I have heard Paul saying, even though you're a thousand miles away, I've heard of your faith in Christ, the love that you have for all God's people, and the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. And listen to what he says. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and it's growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. What's Paul saying? When you finally understand God's grace, is that up there? Yes, it is. You finally understood God's grace. You guys, when it gets, when, when religion finally gets squelched, when you stop trying to prove that you're a good enough person for God to love you, which is what religion is, and you have all this pressure, and if you're good at it, you think you're better than everybody else, and if you're bad at it, you have shame. It's just the only thing that Jesus ever super got mad at were people who were religious, people who were stuck in their own self-righteousness. He goes, when you finally understand the truth of God's grace, that the only way to have your heart changed is by God's gift to you, and you receive it, you know what happens? You become alive. You become free. You finally get his peace and his joy in your life. And you know what happens? Look at this. He goes, it says, it bears fruit and it grows throughout the whole world. It expands. And then in verse seven, he says, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Okay, I can't wait, I'm so pumped. 
Can I say, this is so, I didn't tell first service this. This is one of those days, I sat down to study, which usually takes me like hours. I feel like God gave me this message in like two hours, I was done. I know he wants to share this with you. Here's number one. A living church has a wider reach. Just does. Look at that. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and it's growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since you heard it. So the church in Colossae, it was growing. It was bearing fruit. It was stretching out into the world. When a church is alive, when the people in the church, because you guys know that, right? The church is not a building. The church is the people who are together. When you're alive, it reaches. You know what's so cool? 1,534 miles away from Jerusalem was another town called Thessalonica in Greece. And so Paul's like, man, there's another place where the gospel expanded to. And so he writes this church. Look what he writes to him. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, now look at this, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. Do you see what he's saying? Man, when faith is alive and when love is in your heart and when you have hope for heaven, you don't give up, man. You have endurance. That endurance is inspired by your hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he's chosen you. How do we know? Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us. And listen to this. You became imitators of the Lord. You became imitators of Jesus. See, so when you're filled with love and when you're filled with faith, what Paul says is, man, your labor is prompted by love. Your work is produced by faith. When you're alive, man, you do stuff. He goes, you became imitators of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so, now look at this, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known where? Everybody say it. Everywhere. Everywhere. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 1,588 miles away from when Pentecost happened, somebody went over there, told them about it, and people received the real gospel, not religion. They got reconciled back to God, baby, and the Holy Spirit filled them up. And when you start having faith and love and joy and you start loving everybody around you, the dark world that's hurting, whose relationships are falling apart, who don't have peace and are in despair and it's dark, they look at that and guess what? It makes an impact, baby, and it goes everywhere. We're not done, man. 1,889 miles. Keeps going. From Jerusalem is another city called Corinth in Greece. Look what Paul writes to this church. We hope that your faith will grow. Hey, K2, man, I am so hoping in these four weeks that your faith and my faith will grow. Now, why does Paul want their faith to grow? We hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of your work among you, of our work among you, will be extended. It's about expansion, man. It's about a wider reach. And Paul said, if your faith grows, you know what's going to happen? More and more people are going to find peace and forgiveness and grace and love and joy. 
He goes, then we'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you. This is the heart of God. And if a church is alive with faith and hope and love, if you are alive and I'm alive with faith, hope, and love, God's gonna do something great. Here's one more for you. 1,676 miles from Troy, Michigan to Salt Lake City. How's that one? Yeah, you can clap. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. I, I, I looked and, I, and um, it was actually from Detroit to here, it's 1,666. So I thought, I, I think I'll go with Troy <laughs> instead. I don't know. I don't know if that's it. If, if Detroit is just cursed, we'll find out today, right? Because the Lions are playing. And uh, I think they might be now. Anyway, here's what I know. The gospel bears fruit and it grows throughout the world. The Lord's message rings out from the church and it's known everywhere. And I just want to tell you right now, man, we did not move out here. The 30 of us did not move out here so we could hang out together, right? We could have hung out in Michigan. The only re reason that God called us out here to Salt Lake is because every stinking person <laughs> matters to him. And he wants our church to be alive. He wants you to be alive so that he can keep expanding his light and his love and his grace. So how are we going to do that here at K2? All right, let's get practical. Let's talk about some outreach. Eric Winter, who moved out here with me, uh, he's, he's been my best friend since we were nine, which is really crazy. That dude has put up with me for 42 years. <laughs> Can't believe he's still here. Well, Eric, when we started, was our outreach and our operations director, and he went on sabbatical this summer, and he actually is moving back into our outreach to lead our outreach here at K2. We've been having some great conversations. I want to let you know, what are we planning to do? All through the Old Testament, over and over and over again, God makes it so clear. He goes, this is what matters to me. Deuteronomy 10, 18, he says, God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. He says those three things over and over. So Eric and I have been talking, and we said, you know what? We're going to hone in our outreach, and we're going to simply do what matters to God. Number one, we're going to care about the orphan here at K2. Can I just ask, how many of you in this room already have adopted? Would you just raise your hand and put your hands up? Oh my God, look at this. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, give them a round of applause. That's so cool. How many of you are, let me ask you this, how many of you are involved in the, in the foster care system? How many of you, okay, hands, look at these. How many people are involved in the foster care? That's so awesome. So here's what we know, okay? What God says is when there's a child who's fatherless, I care. And if I'm living inside of you, you need to care. So Amy King, who moved out with our team, she is passionate about this, and you guys need to go at K2 The Church. We, we are planning, and we're gonna hone, and we're gonna say, we're gonna care about the kid who does not have parents. You guys ready for that? Yeah. All right. Number two, he says, I care about the widow. And I think for us in our day and age, yes, for the person who's lost their spouse, but in our culture right now, there are so many single parents who are living as widows. I can't handle my kids if, my, if Susie's gone for one day, right? I mean, just do that. 
and then you'll rise. And I just want to say to all of you who are single parents, and I'm spe- I just want to spe- say specifically to all you single moms, we are absolutely going to care about you, okay? So whatever that means. But you guys, as a church, if God says when somebody is in need because now they're a widow and they have these children, that's my heart I care. You guys ready to do that? Yeah. All right. So that's number two. Number three, God says, I care about the alien. I care about the foreigner. Because when a foreigner would move into to another country back in that day and age, they had no rights whatsoever. So we, we got to care about that. Do you guys know that Salt Lake is one of the five refugee cities in America? That the world, we could go to the world and we do, but the world has come to us, man. They are right here. And so as a church who's in a city that ministers to refugees, we are going to care about those because God cares. You guys ready to do that? Yeah. All right. So here's the deal, man. If you're a part of the church, if Jesus is alive in you, which is what it means to be a follower of Christ, you don't have to wonder if this is his heart. He says it over and over again. The fatherless, the widow, and the foreigner. The last thing that we're going to care about in Galatians 2, when Paul was getting his ministry together, he, you know, he was kind of new. He wasn't one of the original apostles. So he had to kind of come to the guys and go, hey, here I am. I'm going to make sure my teaching's right. I want to make sure I'm good to go. And Peter, you know, as the head of the church, he said, yeah, you're good. And then he, Paul said this. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I have been eager to do. And here's, that's the other piece, you guys. God has always said you got to care for the poor. Jesus says in Matthew 25, when you come stand before me, I'm going to see, did you give me a cold, cup of cold water? Did you, did you visit me? Did you care for me? So those are our four things. And I want to encourage you guys, if K2 is going to be alive, if we're going to expand, if we're going to bring his light into this world, those are the four ways we're going to do it. So be listening to that. If you want to be involved in that, please sign up and let Eric Winter know. All right? So that's one way, outreach. The second way is we're going to be involved in church planning. When we started K2, we said our mission was to plant multiplying churches along the Western Rockies. But now what we've realized is we're changing that. About 10 years ago, I was flying back from a conference, and I know specifically, I felt like God mentioned it, it was stirring my heart and saying to me, I want you to care about every church that gets planted in this valley and not just your own. I'll be honest with you, I had no idea what that meant 10 years ago. But now, I do. And here's where we're going as a church. We're changing this, man. We're not gonna be multiplying, planting multiplying churches. We are gonna be a catalyst in church planning for every church that gets planted in the state of Utah. And what does that mean? Our church back in Detroit, Kensington, who planted us, there are 14,000 people now. It's crazy. Talk about expansion. God's doing great stuff. But they've only planted about five churches like us. But if you have planted a church in southeastern Michigan, somehow Kensington's a part of it. They have their fingerprints on over 50 churches that got planted. And those churches are healthy and they're thriving because of the support of that church. So most of you don't know this, but Dave Elsog and I have been part of a ministry in this, in this valley called Loving Utah. It started by Mike Menning, who's a K2 member. Mike was a pastor in the area, and then when he retired, he thought, you know what, I'm just going to minister to pastors, because who does that, <laughs> right? So he started meeting with guys and having coffee with them. But what he found was the pastors who needed it the most were the church planners. The guys who came in here, maybe without a team as big as we did, the guys who came here on their white horse and thought, man, this is going to be great. I can't wait to do this. And then no one shows up. 
The church planters who come, can I just tell you, in, in Utah County alone, in the last six months, four church plants closed. This state chews up and spits out church planters more than any state in this union. And so loving Utah exists. What we've done is we've got a group of guys who have come together to say, no more. You know what? If you move here to plant a church, we're going to do everything we can to support you. Ross Anderson and Tom Kaler from Davis County, Scott McKinney from Utah County, Shane Finley from Wasatch County have joined Dave and I to serve every church plant in Utah through relational support, cultural training, and networking. And I just want to tell you, man, I am psyched because the truth is K2 is not going to just spend all its resource to plant one church. We're going to put our resource to help every church in the state of Utah that starts thrive so that there is a gospel message of good news, so there is love to the widow and the poor that's happening all through the state. So we're committed to that, man. We've, we've made staffing changes. Our, 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 our Soggy, who's been an, an executive pastor, his heart beats for this so deeply. As Tammy left the Adventure Canyon ministry, we've moved Dave into that. The EP position takes so many hats that we have now, he's now doing Adventure Canyon, which he did for years. But we did that so that he would have the bandwidth to start growing loving Utah. Every time we meet you guys, national leaders come. They're interested in what we're doing. And we dream together, but they always say, man, who's going to do this? And we're like, we don't have the bandwidth. K2 is going to take the charge, and we're going to make sure that this happens. And I want to tell you, it's been a joy to work with these guys. And I know you don't know that we've been involved in this, but I asked just a few guys who are in the valley who are church planners to let you know the impact that this can have. So watch this. Upon moving to Salt Lake City, I was encouraged to walk in the doors of K2 and find folks here very welcoming and inviting. Uh, it was a different church culture from where we came from to find people uh, just excited that we were here and seeking to have gospel influence with us in the city. We've received so much care, support, and encouragement uh, from numerous uh, people on your team here at K2. And for us, that just you know helped us to know that there were people linking arms with us, excited to see gospel influence saturate the city. And that's our hope, I believe that's your hope, to see Salt Lake City saturated with the good news of Jesus. And I believe that's what K2 is doing. We're thankful for your support, your encouragement, and care for us at Ecclesia. And one of the hardest things about church planting is that a lot of times you can feel like you're on an island, um, like you're doing this thing by yourself, uh, like it's you against the world. And the first time I met Dave Nelson over some pizza, he let us know that that was not the case. We met a people that were like-minded, um, that had a very similar DNA to us, that were on mission, that were all about taking Jesus, not from just the church building, but into the city, into the state surrounding us. And so to know that we had people that weren't necessarily in our church, but that were walking with us and had our backs and we're doing these things together has been an incredible support system from the get-go and has really um, empowered us and encouraged us and had our faith levels risen because we saw other people doing the same thing. So very thankful for Dave Nelson and K2 and what they're doing in the Valley. Now, somebody once identified five main reasons why church plants fail and I nailed all five of them. Because when I came in 1983, there were no church planting networks, there were no church planting coaches, and there were no churches like K2 that had a heart to help that could have helped me then. Now we made it okay, and we even planted other churches ourselves, but I resolved that no church planter in Utah should ever have to go it alone. 
That's why I'm so encouraged that K2 has answered the call of God to be catalytic for church planting in Utah and to help church planters succeed. Just really excited about being a part of the church planting movement here in Utah and even more excited about partnering with churches like K2 and pointing people to Jesus and planting more churches in a part of the country that people have no idea the need for more churches. And so I'm just excited uh, about what K2 is doing and about what the church planting movement in Utah is all about. I love the heart, the passion that you guys have for church planting and seeing this valley reached. Uh, I know that uh, The Well, our church, is a product of that passion and of that heart. So we just want to encourage you, keep on going, keep on believing big, and let's reach this valley together. What we're going to do, y'all. <clears throat> so I just want to tell you, man, if you're a part of this church, it's you, man. This is you. But our dream is that K2 would be able to support, strengthen, encourage, and resource every church plant in Utah, helping them to thrive, to bring the gospel in every corner of the valley in this state. And that's what we're going to do. I'm so excited. So that's it, man. A living church has a wider reach. But it's not just me. Some of you are going, all right, Dave, you go, right? You got, but that's not it, man. You're not off the hook. So if you need to go get some coffee, here's your chance. Number two is a wider reach starts with one person. A wider reach always starts with just one person. And if you're a Christian, it's you. Look at this. In Colossians 1, he says, all this church that's expanding all over the world, he says, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. How many of you guys know Epaphras, right? But the gospel expanded through all the world because of one guy who traveled 1,025 miles to let other people know how good it was. John chapter 1, verse 40 and 42 says this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard about John and had, who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So, so Andrew's this guy, right? John the Baptist is trying to, is when Jesus comes on the scene, and he goes, okay, here, comes, here, here he is, and then look at verse 41. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. See, the first thing that Andrew did, he's like, oh my gosh, I think we found it. The love, the joy, the peace, the life. But see, once that happens, you don't hold it to yourself. The first thing he did is he goes, man, I got to tell my brother about this. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, here's my question. Most of you have no idea what Andrew, who Andrew is. And most of us don't know a lot about what he did. But guess what his brother did? Anybody heard of Peter? Peter ended up being the father and the foundation and the rock of the church. And I want to tell you right now, some of you feel like an Epaphras, and you are. And some of you feel like an Andrew, and you are. But you are the ones, Christians, who've received the love and the faith and the joy and the peace and the freedom. And all he's asking you to do is go tell the person that you love and bring them to Jesus. Here's what I know. If you're a Christian in here, Jesus Christ is in you. Now, if you're religious, he's not. He's not. If you like to go to church, that's, that's a totally different deal. If you're still about making your own righteousness to achieve God, that's not, that's not Christianity. But as soon as you said, man, dude, I'm a sinner. <laughs> I am messed up and I need forgiveness. And you receive Christ. If you're really a Christian, 
He's put his spirit inside of you. That means Jesus is in you. And here's what's cool. You know why he's in you? Because he wants to be on your street. He wants to know your neighbors. He wants to be at your workplace. He wants to be in your school. Jesus wants every person to come to know him. You know, it's so cool. Four months ago, we're doing Discover K2, by the way, right after the service, a chance if you're new for us to meet you. About four months, there was a guy who came, and after we were done, he came for the second time, my wife and I and our young kids. He goes, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I never wanted to go to church. He goes, I never wanted to have anything to do with this. He goes, but this may sound really weird. These last two weeks, he goes, I feel really moved. And he said, you know what, um, could you help me know how to read the Bible? And I said, sure. And I said, so I just started with him. I said, well, you know how there's an Old Testament and a New Testament? And he goes, no. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I mean, serious. If K2 ever stops being a place for people who go, I know, I don't know. If you don't know the Bible, thank you for being here, man. That's why we're here. And he looked at me and he said, the only reason we showed up is because my wife's coworker invited me to come. Can I ask you, how many of you work? Okay. How many of you love the people you work with? Okay, I know. It, it, that's so funny. First service, it was about half as much, too. It's like, well, you know, not really. Okay, how many of you were here three weeks ago when God said, love your enemies? Okay, here's what I know. How many of you could simply invite someone on your street, in your workplace, and in your school just to join you one week at K2. How many of you could do that? And here's what's cool. It might be a guy who wants nothing to do with it, but I think the reason he wanted nothing to do with it is because he ran into religion in the name of Jesus, and it turned him off, and it should have. But he didn't meet Jesus, man. And so we are the ones who have a chance to bring them where they can find out the truth of grace, of a gift, and a relationship with God. And it's gonna, the only way K2, the church, is gonna expand is through you. So here's your first step if you wanna join us. Starting October 9th, we are gonna do a four-week series leading up to the election. Anybody freaked out about the election? Okay, how many of you know someone who's freaked out about the election? So we knew it would not be right for us. We are going to address, we've been studying and researching the four things that most people seem to be concerned about. Will there be security? Will there be opportunity? Will there be tolerance? And will there be justice? We're going to put billboards all up I-15 again. We're going to get the word out. We're going to give you opportunities. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you today to start praying, because I bet you, you know somebody right now that you wish was sitting next to you at K2. I'm gonna ask you right now, and we're gonna remind you every week, to start praying for that person. And what we're gonna do is, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to do this. Every one of us, just bring one person on October 9th, okay? Our arts team is designing the service. We do this every Sunday, but specifically on October 9th, we are designing the service to kick off this series for people who don't know the hope that God has. And if they're shaking in their boots, we want to come and let them know, you don't have to shake, baby. We want them to know that there is a hope and a peace and life in Christ, okay? So start praying and start bringing them. You know what's so cool? If every one of you would bring just one person, we may not even have enough room in this building. Isn't that awesome? And you don't have to do a ton. One person.
every single one of us. Y'all in? All right. So pray for it, ask God to move, and invite him. So take a wider reach. Start by just inviting people. Number two, share your story. I know people don't like, who are outside, don't, they, they don't like church, and they don't like Jesus, they don't like religion. I get all that. But you know what people do like? They like your story. And I've been amazed when I just tell my story, and I don't have time to do it, but it's so simple. I didn't want to be a Christian. Did you? I mean, who wanted to be a Christian? I didn't. But then I'm at a church service, right, and God moves in my heart. He, and I, I, it was the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my life was to walk up front and receive Christ. But then when I did, he changed my heart. I can't explain it. I've wanted him ever since. And then, you know what, I realized it's like, I'm, it's like there's a test going on in the, 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 to graduate, and there's one question on the test, and it's two plus two. And I'm looking around at everybody's answers, and they're writing five. And I feel like, what do I do? Like, keep it to myself so that I don't, like, embarrass them or so they don't get angry at me so there's no conflict? Or do I let people know that their answer's four? There really is an answer to eternity. And I don't think most people know the answer. It's my story. That's why I do what I do. I remember telling the classmate that. She just had tears in her eyes. She just, it's just my story. Share it with humility, you guys, and it'll work. Invite people, share your story, and then lastly, just share the gospel. We get, Eventually, you've got to figure out how to do this. Basecamp is not just for you who are brand new. Basecamp was designed to be a tool for every one of us who know him to have a very simple tool to walk through with the people we love to help to introduce them to Christ, all right? You, an individual, it always starts with an individual who has faith and love and hope. If you're alive, if you're alive in Christ, Christian, you'll expand. Okay, and then real quick, lastly, a wider reach results in a great celebration. Let's not forget this. Colossians 1.4 says, we have heard of your faith in Christ and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. So interesting to me that our attendance went up like two to 300 people when we were talking about heaven. What's gonna happen when I die? Well, here's one of the things. There is a great reward waiting in heaven. Here's how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Paul's like, it's so not about me. I'll become anything for anyone to help somebody find salvation and be with God forever. He goes, why do I do that? Because I want to share in its blessing. What's its blessing? He goes on. He says, don't you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Come on, Christian, wake up. Run to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know, guys, remember, remember this Heaven series? You all know you're going to die? Right? Remember that this life is like, bam, and then we're going to spend eternity. Where do you want your reward to be? Down here for a second or in eternity forever? Okay, I think, I don't know if you're, I'm going to bet on that one. And then he calls it a crown. In First Thessalonians, he says this, what is our hope, our joy, or the crown? What is the crown? 
in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Come on, man, you know you're standing before him someday, and so am I. What's gonna be the crown? He says, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. I say this a lot here, I'm gonna remind us, I need the reminder and so do you. What we give almost all our time to, all of our energy and all of our love and all of our resource is to stuff that when we get to heaven, we're gonna go, what? I wanna swear, but I won't. Was I doing? (laughs) I know you don't know what I was thinking. But you are. What was I doing? Because the only thing that's gonna matter to you is who's with you. So we're gonna close with a video clip. When I watch this, I can't watch, I've seen it so many times, I can't watch this clip without crying. Because every time I watch it, all I can think of is heaven. And what is it gonna be like when I walk in there for eternity? It's a story called Mr. Holland's Opus. If you haven't seen it, it's a guy who wanted to be rich and famous and live for himself but instead he got stuck in a small town and he was a band director. And then they finally got rid of the music program and he retired. It was over. This is what happened and I want you to think about what heaven may be like for you. Watch this. Now, what is that? Um, I don't know. What, you can't hear what's going on in the auditorium? Oh, yeah, I, I, I hear it. Well, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be. Well, could be some of the no, the summer program won't start for another couple of weeks.
master of ceremonies seems to be a little late, so I guess it's up to me to begin. Um, when word first got out that the music program was cut and about the retirement of my husband, well, I've never seen such a response from the community. Oh, looks like my watch is fast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, may I present our governor and Kennedy High School alumnus, the most honorable Gertrude Lang. I'd like you to know, yes, I brought a note from my mother. <laughs> Mr. Holland had a profound influence on my life, on a lot of lives, I know. And yet I get the feeling that he considers a great part of his own life misspent. Rumor had it he was always working on this symphony of his, and this was going to make him famous, rich, probably both. But Mr. Holland isn't rich, and he isn't famous, at least not outside of our little town. So it might be easy for him to think himself a failure. And he would be wrong, because I think he's achieved a success far beyond riches and fame. Look around you. There is not a life in this room that you have not touched. And each one of us is a better person because of you. We are your symphony, Mr. Holland. We are the melodies and the notes of your opus. And we are the music of your life. Get it? Every one of you is going to stand in the presence of Jesus. And will you have a symphony of people who are there? I can tell you this, man, Epaphras is going to, he's going to be like, what? I just told a few people I had no idea. I can tell you what, you know, the guy who shared Christ with me was some dude in a 70s Christian rock band. I'm sure they had to be bad. Um, but he shared the gospel. And you know what's crazy? I don't even know who he is. And he has no idea that an 11-year-old punk walk up to the altar on that day. And he has no idea that there's a church of 1,500 in Salt Lake City because he shared the gospel. He's going to get to heaven, and it's gonna, he's going to be like, what? How about you? You know what the Bible says? When you get to heaven, God is going to give each person the praise due him. God is ready to give you a crown. And it starts with you, but you know what the Bible also says? That each church, K2 as a church, you guys, what are we doing? Are we alive? 
filled with love and peace and joy and faith. Because if we are, we're going to expand. Revelation 7 says this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All I can say is, man, when I'm standing there with that crowd that is too big for anybody to count, I want to make sure that everyone I love had a chance to be there with me. That's what we're about. God's about expansion and a wider reach, and so are we. All right? So here's how we're going to close. I want to ask David York to come up. David is our chairman of our business operations board. And... um, So when we started K2, you guys, here's what, here's what we knew. And I am, I am more convinced than ever that people just need God. They need his love and his grace and his strength and his power. When we planted uh, 12, almost 12 years ago, we targeted Sugar House. And when we, when we lived in Sugar House, we realized, wow, this Sugar House are people who like really have kind of swung away, you know, a lot of people from God. And so what was crazy, though, is when we moved out here, 30 of us moved out here, and I was, Susie and I were the only ones who lived in Sugar House. Everybody else went all over the valley. And I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? <laughs> but you know what's so cool? God has a bit, he, he so has a bit, he knows what he's doing. Here's what was happening. We, we opened up our doors and 600 people showed up. And we were not ready for that. That's not what we thought K2 was going to be. To this day, people do come from Davis County and Utah County and Wasatch County. And so we were in our two little warehouses, right? And we had to move because we just couldn't keep expanding. So this property ends up being here available for us to come right in the center of the valley so no matter what county you come from. I mean, it's it's just crazy to me when I think about that. So what we did, right, was three years ago, we did this campaign called Everyone Matters to build out this, this portion of this building. And what's cool is they told us, if you guys raise $3 million, that'd be great in your pledges. Well, guess what? You guys pledged $3 million, which was fantastic. And then they told us, if you can get 90% of that pledge, they go, that's really good. Can I tell you, to this day, 94% has come in. Yeah, way to go, man. I just want to say, that is, I mean, that's unbelievable. And we still have the rest of the year to go. And so here's, here's what's happened. It was a great campaign, and you guys have been faithful. And I want to say to all of you who pledged and have followed through on your pledge to God, way to go. Way to go, man. This is what's helping us expand, all right? So, but now that we moved in, some things happened, and I just want David to share with you what our next step is in this. Go, go ahead. Well, let me just first say, I know the tech team's worried uh, with this shirt I'm wearing. I've agreed to hold on to the microphone tightly so I don't drop it, okay? So, um, you know, this, That's for all you uh, youth fans. This message is why I love uh, K2. You know, how many places sit there and think about themselves. This church is not about itself. This church is about Jesus. And what can we do to bring Jesus to this valley? I doubt the guys at McDonald's are thinking, how can we help Burger King? You know, (laughs) Uh, what can we do to help Wendy's? No, but we are about (laughs) Jesus. And I remember at our old building, uh, packed in there, that cars would pull in and there wouldn't be a spot for them and they would drive on through. Uh, And we were like, that is not acceptable. We want to have a place 
that when we say bring someone, that there is room for them to come and hear the message of eternal life. And so that's what we set out to do. The other thing that we wanted to do as well is to be as efficient as we could. We actually looked for parking at our old place and we found a spot that was gonna cost us almost $2 million just for parking. It wouldn't have dealt with anything else but that. We went uh, and toured different facilities. We actually went on a, a field trip with, uh, uh, I went with Dave and Bill Townsend. We went to a, a multi-millions, tens of millions of dollar facility in California, this beautiful church, and six days a week it sat virtually empty. What I love about this facility is that we have gone out there and been part of the community. Not only do we use this, but AISU uses it. The community uses it. We've held events here. This is a seven day a week facility. And so we really feel like this has given us not just a chance to bring people in, but really to participate in the community. As Dave mentioned, we were able to raise about $3 million, but as it always goes, things cost more than we thought they would. And so we're we ended up about a million dollars over that. So that difference is gonna start kicking in next year as we start to repay that. We would love for you guys to consider partnering with us, whether you've done that in the past and are willing to continue or you wanna help us so that we can get that paid off and down as quickly as possible so that we can get about to the work of using our resources to care for the least of those among us and to do what we feel like God has called us to do as a church. So I invite you to think about it um, and anything that we can do to help answer any questions you have as we partner together to fulfill that mission. Cool. So is our team going to pass these guys out? Yeah. So our connections team is going to give you one of these brochures. I'm not going to go into all the information. It's actually in here. Here's all I want to ask you to do. Would you, as part of this church, just pray? Would every one of you just pray and ask God what he would love for you to do? For those of you who haven't fulfilled your pledge yet, this is your chance, man, we still have time. We're expanding it a year. Here's a chance where you can still fulfill your pledge. For those of you, here's the other thing. I've talked to some of you. God actually in the last three years just did bless you immensely financially. I've actually had people go, I, what should I do with this? If that's the case, we'd love for you to pray and see if God maybe blessed you to help us to, to reduce uh, this loan. And, but the main reason we did it was because no, we know many of you weren't even here three years ago. <laughs> you weren't even given the opportunity to join us in this. And I'd love to ask you, and all we're asking for is a one year, could you make a pledge of what you could give just for one year? Because again, you guys, if this debt goes down, the beautiful thing about facilities is once the cost, as you grow, as a church grows, the facility costs stay the same. And as we grow, then all that money can get to what we really want to do, free us to fund ministry to single parents, orphans, refugees, the poor, and church planning all over the state of Utah. And all of us, we just believe that God wants that to happen, that we're in the right place. We need to be here. So again, think about it. Again, if just every one of you invited one person, we'd fill this place up. So we're grateful for this facility and we just want to move forward. So go through the brochure. If any of you have questions, we're actually going to do a Everyone Matters Vision Night at Dave and Mindy's house on Tuesday, um, September 20th. And you can sign up for that. We'd love to have you join us if you just want to come and, and learn more. And then what we're going to do on October 2nd is the last day of, of this series. And there's a card that's in, in your program. And we would just love for everybody to consider just making the final pledge for this thing and, and join us. And we will have on October 2nd a great day to be able to, to make a pledge to commit to K2 the church doing the ministry that God's called us to do. So, David, thank you so much, man.
Again, thank you guys. Give a round of applause for David. You have no idea how much in our whole, our, our boards. All right.